Hello, it's Paul Scott here, uh, UK small caps investor and commentator and writer on with Graham Neary of the Small Cap Value Reports on Stockopedia.com. So thank you to everyone who subscribes to Stockopedia. Um, it's a, a pleasure and a privilege to write our daily analysis for you. And then, of course, get all your reader comments, which are just fantastic. The quality of the reader comments is just getting better and better. They're courteous. We don't have any trolls. Um, we did have a couple, but they seem to have disappeared, which is marvellous. So bear markets are not all bad. And... Um, you know, uh, lots of intelligent debate about the various companies that Graham and I start the conversation on with the articles. So anyway, this is the part one of the two podcasts I'm going to do each weekend now, um, covering just summarising the, I think it was 41 companies we wrote about in this week's Small Cap Valley reports. So launching straight in, then Graham looked at Belvoir, BLV, uh, he's green on this, which means we're positive. We just have a simple traffic light system. Uh, 2022 results are ahead, but uh, expectations for 2023 have been trimmed. This is a lettings business, Belvoir, primarily. Uh, so nice, regular, steady, recurring revenues. And it's largely franchised as well, but it has diversified now. Uh, into, so it's also acquired quite a few companies over the years. It's been listed now, the track record of Belvoir is stunning. I mean, it's just a fantastic company. With, I mean, I'm not going to hold back on this. I think it's a brilliant company. And the shares are just obviously mispriced. They're way too cheap. Graham wrote at them, in my opinion, obviously. Graham wrote about them, well, and Graham's, because he uh, wrote this on Monday. Final results for 2022 came out. Uh, he... The shares were £1.69 and ended the day slightly up at £1.74. But that was a golden opportunity, really, because, you know, you only have to glance at the numbers to see that that price is ludicrously low. Um, you know, 2023 profits might dip a bit because of the hiatus in the mortgage market caused by the mini budget last autumn. Um, mortgage approvals, I think, are 40% down at the moment on last year, according to Nationwide. Um, but there are a lot of people who need to remortgage, and that side of the business isn't a huge part of Belvoir's business. The core business is still the letting side of things, where rents are going up. There's just so much to like about Belvoir. I love the management as well, and I uh, interviewed the, the excellent, really experienced CEO, Dorian Gonzalez, uh, um, later on this week. And anyway, people who bought on Monday ended the week 25% up. So there's been so well done to anyone who saw the opportunity that was just hiding in plain sight, I think, with Belvoir. Share price was completely wrong at £1.69. And um, uh, other people have obviously seen the opportunity too, and they've had a nice gain on that. Well done, you. And you also get a good dividend. There's lots to like about it. Very good uh, Investor Meet Company webinar was really comprehensive, just over an hour, but they answered all the questions. Um, it's, just, it's a high-quality business, priced as a low-quality business, so I think it's still cheap. But obviously, when you get a 25% rise in one week, you're probably going to get some, one or two people banking some profits. I don't hold any personally yet, but I wish I did. Trouble is, one of the readers asked me, well, why aren't you holding it, Paul? You're always raving about it. And I said, well, I haven't got any money. You know, I'm fully invested, and I don't want to sell any of my existing positions. Maybe I need to have a look through my portfolio and have a cull 
of things. Um, but I, no, I don't think I will. Anyway, moving on. Graham also looked at Bioventix BVXP. This is the monoclonal sheep antibodies. No idea what those are. Something sciencey. Anyway, uh, it's an amazing little company, you know, producing a ludicrous profit margin, big barriers to entry for its products. Uh, but, you know, Graham thinks it is fully valued, so he's amber on that. Um <clears throat> An amazing little company, though, 25 times earnings. Uh, who knows what they'll pull out the bag in terms of new products. So, yeah, Bioventix has always massively impressed me with its with its numbers. Uh, and Equals, EQLS. Now, this is a widely discussed stock. This is one of the listed foreign exchange dealers that all claim to have great platforms and all the rest of it. But I think the reality is the banks are kind of letting them have a certain amount of business that the banks are not really interested in having, which isn't the strongest of underpinnings for a business model, is it? So I'm not quite as keen as some other people are. I'm amber, sort of leaning towards green on it. Graham's also amber. Um, We have flagged up issues like the fact that it's capitalising a big part of its payroll onto the balance sheet, quite a few adjustments to the accounts. So I I don't know, I'm still slightly uh, um, lukewarm on this one, but there's no denying, you know, the figures and the growth are all fantastic. Now, Paul Hill, my friend, who's a brilliant analyst and investor, he's really, really keen on equals. So, and he's a guy who's worth listening to. So I could be, maybe I'm, and the share price performance of equals over the last three years has been superb. You know, it's multi-bagged over the, uh, since the pandemic lows. So well done to everyone who spotted the opportunity. As I say, I've got a few reservations, as has... Uh, oh, no, sorry, it wasn't Graham writing about it, it was me. Oh, dear, not enough coffee, usual thing. So, right, what else do we look at on Monday? Uh, where are we? Oh, we did just a quick comments on six other companies. In the Style is finished, that's... Uh, absolute disastrous float. They've sold the business for half a million quid, so uh, leaving a cash shell and shutdown costs. We've been negative on In The Star right from when it listed. It was obviously just not a very good business. Uh, you know, they took advantage of the boom in uh, internet sales and internet valuations during the pandemic and sold the stock market a pup, I'm afraid. So there we go. Uh, Severfield, this is the structural steel thing. I looked at that. Um quite good a good h2 uh, i'm amber on it overall uh, even though it's an in line with expectations updates with good order books and pipeline and everything but i think <clears throat> i think structural steel with a time lag you could see that demand for that drop considerably certainly if you look back to previous recessions the shares and things like that cyclical companies like that absolutely collapse so i'm not convinced this is the right time to be buying severfield but it depends on your macro view if you think there's not going to be a recession which is i don't know i mean i think that's a perfectly valid valid point of view um it could do all right i looked at dialite oh this is the professional lead lightings business can't get excited about it although it was slightly ahead of greatly lowered expectations inventories are too high which means debt has risen i've i've come to the view i wouldn't completely dismiss dialite i think if if it can destock get those inventories down it could recover so um for people who like turnarounds recovery situations special situations might be worth a look uh, the outlook seemed quite encouraging 
So I wouldn't completely dismiss Dialyte. What else do I look at? CML Systems. Yeah, I like this one. Very nice hybrid share where you're getting uh, a lot of assets with the freeholds and which they're finally extracting some value from with the redevelopment of their head office site, which we've covered a lot in, in uh, the small cap value reports before. Massive cash pile as well. But the core business is actually doing well also with a healthy order book. Uh, <clears throat> so, um, yeah, I quite like that. So although it looks on a high PE ratios, this is CML microsystems, the PE looks high. But when you adjust it for the property and the cash, it, you can roughly halve that PE. So you're, you're, you're getting a, a copper-bottomed asset base and a business that seems to be doing quite well. So, yeah, worth a look at that one. Graham looked at Tandem. I've never thought much of this one, TND, the bicycles distributor. It always looks really, really cheap on a value basis. Um, but we've got a very knowledgeable uh, poster called Planet X, who apparently um, <clears throat> seems to be uh, running a business in the bicycle sector. It's amazing, isn't it? We always seem to have a specialist in, a, even, in even the most obscure niches who can chip in comments on the Stockopedia articles, the reader comments, are just fantastic. And he said, basically, he briefed us on it, Planet X did, and saying that the bicycle market has collapsed because, obviously, loads of people bought bikes in the pandemic um, because people didn't want to travel on public transport and so on. Uh, the, the, man, the, the distributors put in huge orders uh, because of all the supply chain delays with China. Well, all that's unwinding now. Demand's collapsed. And there's an, a massive glut of all these bikes that were ordered with large orders in the during the pandemic are now arriving in the UK, and there's just a huge glut of them. So I suppose, you know, for consumers, if you want to upgrade, if you haven't upgraded your bike, and they last for many, many years, don't they? They're not repeat purchases unless you're a complete fanatic and want different bikes with different things. You know, now is the time to go and do a deal, I would imagine, if you want to buy it, get a discount on a bike. Uh, so yeah, I'm not interested in tandem at all. Although Graham's green on it, so he's he's obviously seen something there, so it could be worth a look. Graham's looked at North Amber, Amber on that. I think that's everything for Monday. Oh, where's the thing? It's disappeared. Hang on. Now on Tuesday, I think it's fair to say both Graham and I had a bit of an off day, so there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't really an awful lot in Tuesday's report. Sorry about that. You know, we're not machines. We can't necessarily produce um huge uh, and very you know uh, uh insightful reports every day so tuesday yeah a bit of an off day sorry about that uh graham looked at altitude alt this is this thing that claims to have us a, a, a platform for uh companies that make and distribute promotional goods you know like mugs or t-shirts with your company name on or clients company name or whatever uh, looks and of course that's been a hugely lucrative area for four imprint f o u r which has been an amazing multi bagger I wish I'd bought those I remember reg Hoare of um uh the the p r company he uh, he mentioned that to me years ago and said, God, you know management there are really, really good if only I'd listened to him funnily enough, Andy Edmund of Traxis, another p r company he said to me um no, what am I saying Andy Edmund of equity development uh, said to me that a similar thing with Traxis many years ago, saying management there is so good, blah, blah, blah. So I think, you know, the lesson to be learned there, I think I've got to start just buying things where people who know what they're doing rave about the quality of the management and then just hold them long term. Because that does seem to be where the multi-buggers come from, doesn't it? 
Uh, easy to say with hindsight. How did I get onto that? Yeah. Oh, altitude. Yeah, we think it looks quite interesting. Graham's green on this. I am too, actually. Um, something seems to be positive quite happening. It seems to be happening there. And there was... Um, it, it's still speculative, though, we think. But we both of us think it's quite promising altitude. It was ramped to high heaven in the past and it fell flat. So we've got to be a little bit careful with that one. Uh, I think there was a contract win announcement later in the week as well. Now, Graham looked at the printheads thing, Zar, X-A-R, couldn't get more than amber on it. Um, Week 2023 estimates, nobody wants to forecast 2024, he's saying. It's all too unpredictable, we think, with Zar. You know, it's gone gone to the moon and back in the past, the share price has. But no, you know, it's reliant on this unpredictable demand in China. I know a lot of people have think that the potential for it is amazing, which uh, it's demonstrated once in the past, but um, I don't know. I can't get anywhere near the, the market cap on, on Zara, I'm afraid. So it could turn out to be a mistake, but we're not madly keen on it. Then Marlowe I looked at. I haven't looked at this before, or not for a long time. Anyway, I'm Amber on it. This is a software group. Um, uh, the tone of the update sounds positive and it's in line with expectations. But I looked at it a bit, bit more closely and came away with the feeling that the balance sheet was overly in, indebted. Poor cash generation. I think Marlowe has done too many acquisitions, so it's not for me. Will this thing stop disappearing? Here it is, sorry. Oh, and a postscript for Unbound Group. This has been an absolute catastrophe. It, it, I thought this looked really good when it, it when it was... Well, no, actually, no, I didn't. I thought it looked OK and a nice free bonus within uh, Electra Private Equity. The main business within Electra, of course, was TGI Fridays called Hostmore, which has been a total disaster. And Unbound has been a disaster as well, I'm afraid. This is the hotter shoes thing. Uh, anyway, they've received a possible offer at 10.5 pence cash, I think um, I think shareholders should gratefully accept that offer. It's an absolute crock. And I'm afraid we were sold a pup by that. So apologies to uh, anyone who followed me into Electra. But yeah, total disaster, I'm afraid. One of my heaviest losses, was it last year or the year before? But there you go. That's the way investing goes in small caps. Some of them you get multi-baggers. Some of them are disasters. There were loads of companies we didn't cover on Tuesday, which I left up in the in the report on the to-do list of the Small Cap Value Report, just as a reminder to me to maybe circle back to some of them. I think Joneo is one, uh, a CCTV train thing uh, that I might have a look at. That's been rising. I know some of the readers like that. Uh, I might have a look at Empresaria too. Um, Elico, I think, is quite good. But I think most of these things were just were just in line with expectations, and the share prices haven't moved, so I don't think we've missed anything. Right, on to Wednesday's report. We covered a 12, we had a good catch-up day on Wednesday. We covered 12 companies, and I did my CEO interview with uh, Dorian at Belvoir, BLV. Uh, really worth listening to that. I think, uh, even though I say so myself, I think it was a good... Um, audio interview. I just do them over the phone, so don't know why, but the sound quality from my end is never that good. But you can you can make out what I'm saying. So uh, yeah, so we had some nice reader comments about that, saying they thought he came over very well. Oh, I should also add that Dorian at Belvoir very kindly made a generous donation to my favourite charity, Zane. 
Zimbabwe a national emergency. As regulars know, I actually flew out to my friend Tom Benyon set up and runs Zane, and it's an amazing little charity, and he invited me out there in 2019. I paid for my own flights, um, and I uh, went round with the trustees for about, I think it was about eight days, uh, as, an, as, uh, as an observer, and we, I went to uh, all the various, a lot of the various projects that they're running on the ground there in Zimbabwe. We went round care homes where Zane delivers a lorry load of fruit, a uh, sort of food at um, which which they get donated either free or at cost by local farmers, and they they take it to to. It's an amazing charity. They take it to the um, to the care homes each week so and and the, the residents would literally starve or semi-starve without it it's that bad the situation out there and that was in 2019 apparently it's even worse now uh, i went to a women's refuge project project where women who've been um, abused or, or often involved in um, political turmoil and so on and um, battered by the uh, police and army are 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 given um, therapy and so on they were obviously deeply deeply troubled women um it was it was quite harrowing actually seeing them zane offers therapeutic services to them uh and and the clubfoot program that zane participates in is just incredible so a marvelous little charity well dorian at, at uh, Belvoir said that he thought my the interview I did with him was was really good, and he made a generous donation to Zane. So isn't that fantastic? I haven't asked the readers to do more donations to Zane because we raised fifty k. Uh, I think it was last year or the year before. But seeing how bad markets are, I don't want to ask you to to donate. But if you do fancy donating to Zane, um, please do. And you know it really goes a long way. And I've seen where the money goes and it's incredible so that's a quick plug for zane and if you like these podcasts why not give 10 or 15 pound a month to zane you know that will pay for the diabetes medicine for one pensioner who otherwise without it would wouldn't just wouldn't be able to get the medication they need to stay comfortable so it really does the money goes straight to the spot where it's needed and i've i've seen those spots and um that's why I'm so enthusiastic about Zane. I donate myself every month as well. OK, back to shares. Mortgage Advice Bureau, MAB1. Graham looked at this and said he's green on it. Now, <clears throat> this is interesting because it's on a PE of about 18 or 19. If you compare that with Belvoir, which also has a mortgage advisory division, Belvoir's on a PE of 10 or, t- 10 or 11. So what, again, the disparity in valuation, again, just confirms to me that Belvoir's too cheap. Uh, Graham also looked at Team 17. He's amber on that. That's a software company. Now, I looked at McCommerce Bricks. Um, I'm green on it. The figures and the outlook look very, very good. But a reader, um, oh, I can't remember the name. Let's do a search while I'm talking, did some brilliant background research uh, and came up with some industry data on Bricks. And this really got... Here we are. The reader is AR7268, who published some data and a chart for for brick industry data showing that demand is dropping quite sharply or the deliveries of bricks anyway is dropping sharply whether that's actually a trend now uh it's not really clear but so far in 2023 it's dropping quite significantly on 2022 so that might mean that the Michelmersch brick i don't know it's a specialist niche distributor uh manufacturer of bricks so uh 
is that side of it going to hold up or will the industry trend drag Michel Merck's bricks down? I don't know. But anyway, it's fully hedged its 2023 energy costs. And I think it looks really good. So I've commented here, I, I'd be inclined to ignore macro guesswork with commercial bricks and just um, and just have this as a core long-term holding. Because, of course, whenever you have you know dips in, in demand, it, it comes back, doesn't it? You just have to be patient. Graham looked at SNU. This is a speciality lender that we like. We think that's a good, decent, well-run company. Strix, Graham looked at his amber. Yeah, I've never, I've never been keen on Strix myself. Uh, and then we did quick comments. Cars, the agricultural products thing is. Oh no, I think they sold that division, didn't they? It's now an engineering group. It's coming back from suspension after a technical problem with the audit, and the share price came back at pretty much where it had been suspended uh, at. So panic over there. I quite liked a nanocap called Aorima Communications. Can't they change the name to something people can pronounce? Uh, AEO is the ticker. It's a specialist, uh, a sort of experiential marketing company. It looks quite interesting, but it's so small, I can't see why it's listed. Uh, but it is making a small profit. It's got a bit of cash. Uh, quite a shrewd shareholder list. I, I know most of the, the, the uh, over 3% shareholders um, who are all very, very shrewd. So I have to say I'm surprised they're taking such big stakes in something so illiquid because the trouble is then you're just stuck, aren't you? But, you know, it, uh, it, it they're, they're all far more successful investors than me. So when you see those names on a shareholder list, it makes, you, it makes me sit up and take notice. And obviously, being a much smaller investor than those guys, I could just take a small stake in it, um, you know, and uh, I could hit the sell button if something bad happened, whereas they can't. So, I don't know. That skews the odds more in my favour, I guess. So, yeah, AEO Rima, worth a look, I think. Next, we had interim results from U- Ultimate Products Global Sourcing, UPGS. I'm green on this. I really like this company. It's very good, very well run, uh, reasonably priced. Uh, and the debt is coming down quite a bit. I don't think it's a problem level uh, in line with tra- in line with expectations. Slight dip in H one profits, not a concern. Next, I looked at RM. This is the educational products theme. I think a fund manager on a webinar uh, was talking about this, saying it could be a good turnaround. Um, bank facilities have been renewed. A vague outlook statement. Um, yeah, I've said here, I think the balance sheet is precarious. Um, they've they've got various disposals pending that should strengthen the finances. This is the one where they suddenly found a lot of value in domain names sort of down the back of the sofa and really surprised the market with um, the amount of money they've raised from selling those. So I think it's quite complicated, RM. It's a special situation, uh, but it could be a good turnaround, I think. Chapel Down, a lot of people like this English wine grower, producer, CG, CDGP. Oh, it's awful, isn't it, when all the letters sound the same? You always get them muddled up. Um, I'm amber on this. Um, I do think it's got a very good balance sheet. It's got £32 million of net tangible asset value, and the company says the open market value of its assets is a lot higher than book value. So this is really copper-bottomed, Chapel Down is. Um, I don't think the wines are much good, personally. Very acidic white wine, expensive for what it is. Uh, The fizz is nice, but again, I can get probably 
better fizz at about a third of the cost from from Spain. So I don't see the point of it personally, but it's not down to me, is it? You know, it's it's actually trading at a profit now. And people are making perfectly valid points about um, how the Kent climate is improving and uh, the soil is right for growing wine and, you know, there could be... Uh, takeover bids so chapel down i think i looked at gusthorpe a while ago as well and that's nowhere near as good as chapel down in terms of the numbers so if i if somebody put a gun to my head and forced me to buy an english wine grower uh, chapel down would be the one i would choose because it's uh, a good value share i think but uh, you know the business model's awful i think you have to wait 10 years for you know invest up front maintain all the vines and then 10 years later you start getting product from it i mean god I can't really think of a of a worse business model, but anyway, look, other people like it, so I hope you do well on it. What else? Surgical Innovations, SUN. Uh, not impressed with that. It's only a break-even. Been around donkey's years. Doesn't seem to get anywhere much. And then Tiny Builds. This is an interesting one. TBLD, uh, Computer Games Company. Now, we had a really interesting discussion. Dr. Kelly... Uh, is one of our posters. He put up a thing saying he thinks I'd, I've misinterpreted the numbers. So I went through it again in the reader comments, and in, it's quite badly. Well, it's very badly presented by the by the company because on the face of the P and L, it looks as if two thirds of the profits have come from a one off item in other income. But then in the narrative, it says that's offset by some sort of write off, um, but it do, it doesn't set it out in a table which it should have done. So very confusing anyway, but the company seems to be saying that the 11.1 million profit, uh, that relates to eliminating a contingent consideration creditor. It seems to be saying that's offset by a write-off, which we think went through administrative expenses, but wasn't separated out. Anyway, look, it's confusing, and they presented the figures really, really badly. So... um, but I think Dr. Kelly's probably right that I've, um, you know, that the two may well off offset. Now, the balance sheet's good, $26 million cash for Tiny Build, but that's down from $49 million a year earlier. They've spent a huge amount on development spend. I think overall, though, the shares have dropped a hell of a lot in Tiny Build, and um, I think it looks potentially interesting. It seems a very dominant CEO with 38%. OK, that is... What's that? That's Wednesday's report. Right, on to Thursday then, 30th of March. Haven't got much time left because I've been rambling. Moon Pig trading update. Now, it went up 17% on the day, but I'm not changing my stance. I'm still red on this, mainly because the balance sheet is terrible. Really awful. Overloaded with debt from a, um, a ridiculous acquisition they made it at over... A really bad acquisition they paid far too much for, and they've destroyed their own balance sheet. So there's there's no prospect of any meaningful dividends anytime soon, if ever. So um, although I can see an interesting bull case, it's it's if we ignore the balance sheet, and some people do, which is fine. Balance sheets don't necessarily determine what happens to the share price at all, but it's risk, isn't it? It's risk, not necessarily downside but potential downside so trading in line with expectations which is obviously better than the market expected and uh, it expects to return to growth growth uh, in 2024 april year end um, with an h2 waiting so you know 
I don't know. I think Cockney Rebels have been quite vocal on this on Twitter, saying that he thinks Card Factory, which he holds, is much better value. I've got to agree with them. I think Card Factory I would buy in strong preference to Moonpig. Uh, Graham looked at Excel Media. He's amber on that. Reasonable results, but forecasts are downgraded. He thinks the market might be too stingy in the valuation there. I've never liked the business model there. Always a bit opaque. And um, all these things that essentially rely on online advertising in some shape or form seem to just suddenly uh, blow up when Google or Amazon or whoever it is just changes the algorithms and bang, their profits go. So I don't like that whole area. Aquis Exchange, AQX, Graham looked at this. Now, Graham's uh, amber, but he's he, he points out, you know, this could be a major multi-bagger if this uh, junior stock exchange actually takes off and it it seems to process quite a lot of eu equity trades as well which is unusual isn't it i did catch uh, about half of the investor meet company webinar and you know it is intriguing this aquis exchange um aqx and the guy who fronts it is very convincing super enthusiastic very good salesman but um his background is is seems to be, you know, highly relevant to this. So, I don't know, I'm tempted to just pick up a few, just as a punt, uh, and just tuck it away and forget about it. And you never know. Um, You never know. I mean, Graham points out, just look what happened to the share price of the LSE. I mean, it's gone bananas over the years. So, even though the valuation doesn't seem to make sense when I've looked at it. You know, as Graham says, successful stock exchanges are worth an absolute bloody fortune. So if Aquis does succeed, which none of its predecessors have, remember, there have been lots of different iterations of this junior market below AIM. But they're saying they're more competitive than AIM. And they're saying they, um, I think, have had 22 floats last year, was it? Which was more than any other exchange in, in the UK, I think. So it's quite. I'm going to keep an eye on this. If smaller companies start to list on Aquis in preference to AIM, then this could get interesting. Now, I looked at James Latham. I've done a really detailed write-up on that, so have a look at Thursday's report on that. And I'm green on it overall. Amazing balance sheet with low, a ton of surplus capital on there. But I do think earnings are likely to fall, so there's a risk of a profit warning because they've had a, a one-off boom during the pandemic, which I think is likely to unwind. Uh, Reader's Point asked me to look at Robinson, which I did. I only I could only go amber on it, though. I can't see the point in going down to a 17 million market cap with a 10% spread on the shares for a packaging company when I can buy equally cheap, arguably maybe cheaper, um, l- larger... Uh, McFarlane, MACF, is my favourite for packaging companies, but the, the but the mid-cap packaging companies are really cheap as well. So I don't know why you'd go for a tiny, tiny illiquid one in preference to those. Then other brief comments, Revolution Beauty uh, may be coming back from suspension at the end of April. Shoe Zone buybacks is good. I'm green on Shoe Zone. Sanderson Design signs another major licensing agreement with Sainsbury's. So I'm green on Sanderson Design. And track-wise, a total disaster, down 50%. I think that's heading for the for the knacker's yard, unfortunately. Uh, it, it's going to need to raise more cash. I think that's probably the last throw of the dice for them.
Right, Friday, very briefly, we had two profit warnings from the cyber security sector. A, a medium-sized group called NCC uh, has put out a profit warning and down 39%. That really got whacked. I went through it in some detail and I've come to the view that it's within, uh, towards the top end of what I think is a reasonable valuation on fairly conservative basis. I don't like the balance sheet there, though. I think this is another company that's probably overpaid for acquisitions um, and it's got a pretty threadbare balance sheet as a result. Although software companies don't need asset value because they tend to get paid, get a lot of money up front from customers. Um, and of course, you don't have inventories generally if you're a software company uh, like manufacturing companies do. So NCC, I don't know, if you understand cybersecurity, which I don't, um, it's maybe worth a look. It surprises me, though, given all the publicity about cyber attacks and so on, I would have thought cyber security would be a, an, a, an area that would have remained pretty buoyant, but clearly not. So, And it's saying uh, that, that sales cycles are lengthening and customers are delaying or deferring projects in IT. So that could indicate that we need to be a bit careful about software companies, I think. Um, you know, I mean, the, the, the big... Uh, the mega cap tech companies are, are laying off lots of staff, aren't they? And that was mentioned within N NCC's profit warning. So it's harder for them to, to sort of buy products and services from other companies on a reduced staff. So, yeah, I think we, I think we should be a bit careful about um, the IT sector, actually. Now, Shearwater SWD is a tiny microcap cybersecurity group, also put out a profit warning mentioning similar things, a slowing down of of the sales cycle, customers reluctant to um, implement the deals, and a massive miss, basically. They're only going to be break-even on, on EBITDA um, in, instead of 4.4 million projected. That also dropped 39%. Uh, I wouldn't completely rule that one out, though, as a special situation. It's only 12 million market cap, which seems cheap. What else? Oh, yeah. Now, EMIS, uh, E-M-I-S. This is a medical software company, I think. Uh, it looks like the takeover bid might be falling through. It dropped 23%. Um, now, that was due to... I was triggered by an announcement concerning the Cop Competition and uh, Markets Authority, CMA, which is stepping up its investigation into this bid and apparently wasn't... Um, wasn't impressed with the offer Emis made to uh, address their concerns. So the market, the share price looks chart looks like a table. So it's, it it went up vertically when the bid was announced, then traded sideways, then went down vertically on this announcement on Friday, which does raise the question, doesn't it? Is it better, particularly if it's a fully priced bid as this one was, twenty nine times earnings? Is it better to just bank the profits in the market? Well, clearly hindsight is a wonderful thing. In this case, it would have been. Um, you know, on the other hand, you know, sometimes if you hold out for the bid, you get uh, the full price, you get the last couple of percentage gains. Um, and you also get a gain, of course, if there's a higher competing bid. So every takeover bid's different. I don't think there's a golden rule. Although probably if I had to, I mean, when Seraphine got its 200% premium bid, I, I sold within a couple of days because I just thought the risk of it falling through is too great. I would lose two thirds of my money get rid of them so that worked out fine for me uh but with 
Emis, you know, doing this. Sometimes doing half and half, I think, is a good idea with a takeover bid. Just sell half in the market and then run the best for run the rest for the for the final bid. And also, it depends on what else you're planning on doing with the money. Now that we can get four or five percent interest on cash, is it really worth hanging on for the last one or two percent on a takeover bid, where you've got risk but very little reward? And you could earn, you could just cash out and earn a bit of interest on the cash. So I'm starting to lean more now towards, I think, just selling fairly quickly on takeover bids, and then you can put the money into something else that's undervalued, uh, and maybe make a, a nice turn on that as well. Techmar, TGP, interesting little company, done a refinancing. I've covered that in a fair, a fair bit of detail. I think it gives away nearly all the upside though in future to the private equity backer. It's really a disguised backdoor takeover i think so i think it's going to be difficult for techmar shares to gain much traction due to all the, the heavy dilution at fixed prices and then tpx impact whew, cutting it fine here it previously flagged that it was going to breach its bank covenants on the 31st of march on the last day its, it's bank has given it a waiver i think it's too risky i think they're you know the price of continuing bank support might well be a placing um, which, you know, so it all depends on whether they can get a placing away on good terms or not. And it's order book and pipeline and, and, and so on sounds OK, trading in line. So really, it's just a binary thing now, TPX impact on whether it can properly refinance or not. For that reason, I'm sitting on the sidelines. I did put it on my speculative list for uh, speculative ideas for 2023 watch list spreadsheet, but I've closed it off about a month ago when the solvency problems first emerged because I'm not prepared to take take a risk. Um, maybe I've sold at the low on that, not actually, just on my watch list spreadsheet, but I don't care. You know, risk is risk. Now, I didn't get around to, look, to looking at Tortilla or Gattaca. Sorry about that. I'll try and look at those. I'm on holiday next week, but I'll try and look at those. Okay, that's it for the run through of the individual company shares. Sorry, it was a bit rambling, but there were just there was just loads to cover. I'll now record a podcast for my macro and market thoughts. So uh, thank you for listening, and I hope you find these interesting.